come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Welcome, good morning, and welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. If you are a new listener, then you may not know that this is the best show for you to find political, social, and pop culture news from a diverse perspective, something that we have that's very unique and that we love about ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. We love that. Um, let your voice be heard. Yeah, we have we go live every Sunday here on WHCR from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Um, you can follow us at BeHeard underscore radio on Twitter and Instagram. And shout out to everyone who's watching us live via Instagram in the moment. Uh, my name is Selena Hill on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Miss Selena Hill, and I spell it with an MS. And I'm just going to say, pardon my voice. I know for the last two weeks, I've been really raspy. I had a little bit too much fun last night. Yeah, it, it what looked were you like doing it yesterday with no. Meek Mill. Yeah, I had a little too much fun with Meek Mill last night. Literally. <laughs> at his album release party. And then um, we went bowling. You guys did 6 9? No. Oh. no. <laughs> the album, the album. No. Oh. And then we went bowling and we won, and I was yelling and acting crazy. Mm-hmm. Check it out on my Instagram. That's, what, that's <laughs> what they're calling it these days, guys. Check out my Instagram. And then I did something else. I can't even remember. Oh, then we went to like a bar. <laughs> it was just too much. Where were you? Because I know was downtown you d- too. <laughs> tonic? Oh, I, I like Tonic. I you I've been to Tonic. Yeah. I haven't been there I in a like long that time. Place. That's a white bar. How you got in there? No, it was black. <laughs> it, must, it must have been Negro now. <laughs> Seriously, it was hip-hop night, I guess. Whatever. But yeah, I'm here. Um, this I have you know enough energy for the show. So For, for all of us. For all all of yes. Are you sure? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that sure. <laughs> right. But yes, Alyssa. Good morning, everybody. Um, I am your political and legal correspondent. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs um, or on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs uh, or on Instagram, Alyssa.Fuchs. And that's I-L-Y-S-S-A. Um, that you got to spell it right, just like you got to spell Ms. M.S. for Selena. Otherwise, you won't find me. There um, you go. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm here to, I guess, add some legal insight in today's conversation. And talk legal to us. And talk legal Ooh. to you. You know, I know. It sounds dirty, right? Yeah, well, sometimes it is. Um, <laughs> and I'm Jackie Cohen, and this is my first time back in the studio since Wait, uh, for months. Week? Yeah, I wasn't here last week. Dang, I forgot. And, you know, the studio has been, was closed for construction for over a month. Too long. Yeah, for too long. So this is my first time back, and I don't even know the last time I was in the studio. So it's very, very nice to be here. And you can follow me on Twitter. Um, talk about spelling names right. It's ja- Jackie Cohen, uh, J-A-Q-I-C-O-H-E-N. We all have to be difficult. Huh? I know. We all have to make it complicated. He's but the yeah. only one with a non-complicated name. Because my dad wanted Instagram. me to get a job. Jackie, <laughs> you know because of you I can't spell Jackie properly anymore? I know. That's what most people <laughs> <laughs> that our friends of mine tell me. I love the way you spell your name. Oh, you're the best, Selena. Thank <laughs> you. I like it too. I changed the way I spell. I mean, my full name's Jacqueline. My name is not Jackie. It's Jacqueline, and that's spelled the same way it's always been spelled. Um, but I changed the way I spelled Jackie when I was ten years old and nice. didn't really understand. <laughs> no, talk what about agency. Like, yeah, like it was that. My my uh, SEO is uh, is great because uh, I can always find you know what Jackie it? Cowan is in the news. You were ten years old. You ain't had no agency. Your yeah, mom right. My right? my brand was strong then. Yeah. So. Mm. Silly what if you want to change your name as a 10 year old I, I, I probably would have named myself like Jacquees or something like that <laughs> Stanley like, Fritz is a great name Stanley Fritz is like Stanley an old Jewish man from the yes, Upper West Side and all name. the Jewish ladies love me but, I know oh, you're so sweet, it's, I know it's it's a great name you want to yeah, have an African name an African name yeah. what would your African name be 
If you could change it. Unemployment. Oh! <laughs> what? <laughs> real life. Um, real life. I don't <laughs> know. Um, yeah. So we have a Umbaka. great show. Umbaka. Okay, that, that's better. Roland. Gabby. Yes. Oh, Thank shout you. out to Roland because he was there for all the action last night. Wait, can I oh, tell you what like, happened to me? Wait, so isn't, isn't that your boyfriend? <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, right, right, right. Not at all. <laughs> can we not friend zone Roland on live radio? Please? I know. <laughs> Alyssa, really? Wait, what happened to you, Stanley? So I'm walking down West Forth, like I'm with my friends, and we're like, "Oh, we should go do something." And then someone says, "We should go to Off the Wagon." Oh, I like that place. And I immediately get nauseous because I haven't been there since I was like 25. Right? You know, they're they're closing Continental, by the way. Oh, officially, officially. No, which every time I walk past that bar. Uh, near St. Mark's, I text Stan- and Stanley. I went the last time I think I was at that bar was for Stanley's like twenty fifth yeah. birthday or something. I mean, uh, yeah. But every time I walk past that bar, I text Stanley and I say, "How is this bar still open?" Like yeah. that's the best bar. Uh, 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 well, one, now it's gone. It's a little uh, racist too. A lot yeah, of it's, it's, it's a lot yeah, of racist. There's yeah. a lot of problems. I'm yeah. talking about in terms of like when it comes to getting drunk for really cheap. Five oh, shots yeah. for ten dollars. Five shots for ten dollars. Like and half everybody whiskey. smokes pot in the bathroom downstairs. Yes, yes, that's yes. like a thing. <laughs> Continental. You know what I really missed? The Cooper 35, which closed a lot longer ago. Yeah, I but don't they had remember. a drink called the Woo Woo, and whoo, love woo. I see. Yeah, it was good. But that I just was, sounds like a proje- appropriation. The yeah. Woo Woo. What, yeah. what is that? It was a drink. But anyways, it was four dollars too. <laughs> but we were walking on West Forth, going towards um off the wagon, and like I got nauseous because I'm like, oh, this is a place for the youth. I'm too old to watch this. <laughs> and this guy, he sees it. He's like, what's going on, Black King? And I'm like, hey, Aww. how you doing, bro? He's like, weed and coke. What you want? People say New York has changed and say, I beg to A differ. little bit of old New York still <laughs> Those exists. two don't even go together <laughs> I mean, w- no, that's not true you do maybe, too- maybe you didn't hear him correctly Because you're yeah. so old You do too much cocaine, then you need to come down a little bit and Then you do some marijuana I mean, I, I'm not telling you to oh, do this Oh, did you think Coca-Cola? Um, I'm a lawyer He misunderstood He thought it was, well, was That's what I would have interpreted as Of course you would have but anyway, um, yeah, so on that note, so we have a great show lined up. We're going to be talking about everything from the passing of George H.W. Bush at 94 years old. Stanley's like, miss me. People die every day. Um, <laughs> you know, speaking of people dying every day, there's a lot of people who have been dying in Yemen. That was big news this week as well. And then we're going to be talking about hip-hop. So we see what's been happening with Meek Mills. We see what's been happening with Takashi 69 And we're going to talk about these two narratives, these two dynamics, and what it really means for us uh, as a society and also as, you know, just fans of hip-hop. I mean, it, it's it's really impactful for a lot of us. And I'm like, I, I really can't wait to articulate it and talk about yeah. uh, everything that I've been feeling. And, and Stanley, too. Like, you know, Stanley's our in-house residential hip-hop experts. So I know you have a lot of thoughts coming up on the topic, Stanley. Well, you know, I do have some thoughts. But until then, we got to play some music, you know. Do we? Yes. Okay, I wonder what we're playing, oh, Stanley. Yeah. Oh, this is for Selena, and this is for Dejan, our intern, because she's also a youth. <laughs> All right, we'll be back, y'all. What a bag at, Selena, what a bag at. Hey. What a bag. You know what this song is about, right? What a bag at. Having sex with money and credit card scamming. Oh, really? Thank yeah. you for breaking <laughs> that down. Yes, yes. Wow. It's a, it is a very empowering song. And um, Latavia went to jail for, um, whatchamacallit? <laughs> oh, credit card scamming, actually. Wow. What she was doing in the video, like, they were, like, taking IDs and taking pictures of it in the video. Like, yeah, we'll never get caught. And now she's doing two years for oh, it. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of 
people I mean, like Takashi Six Nine who incriminate right. themselves o- online and then get caught. I mean, just hold that thought. Hold that thought because we're going to talk about that later in the show. And there's so much interesting legality behind that kind of you thing. You know what? Let me tell you something. When a white woman says something as interesting is happening, she's usually right because why? <laughs> white. Uh, just kidding, guys. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHC. Are the voice of Harlem? This is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Jackie Cohen, of course, Alyssa Fuchs. We also have Dejanay or Money Nay in the studio, <laughs> and we also have our guest in here, Chriselle. Cristiano Bad Zaddy. I just made it up on the spot. I don't know what I'm doing, guys. And also, Facebook Live, Gabby, Roland, Jason, everyone who's listening, we appreciate you. But it is now time for the News Roundup, where we talk about the things that made us laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or maybe just tune into the show so we could talk spicy about it together as a community. And Alyssa's right. A lot of stuff did happen. A lot of stuff. Before we get there, mm-hmm. I just want to wish uh, Jackie and, and everybody else a happy Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. Happy oh, Hanukkah. Well, yeah. Tonight. tonight. Hanukkah starts tonight. Hanukkah. Does it really? It does. Are you guys celebrating? Yeah. yeah. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm yeah. going to make latkes. Um, Why do you say no? No, I was just joking. Yeah. Uh, we're do- I feel like celebrating Hanukkah in Trump's America is an act of resistance in it of itself. So I will be lighting candles all Definitely. eight nights. And I'm going to make it's latkes lit. tonight. Yeah. We so have- if you want latkes, text uh, me. Stanley, we should have wore... Worn our sweatshirts. I wore it yesterday, oh, and let me I tell totally you, I was forgot. the ball of the Jewish. Stanley brand. and I, I will post it on Let Your Voice Be Heard social media. But Stanley and I have matching yeah. Hanukkah you know sweatshirts that we got last year, on and they're this note, amazing. Before we get into the news, I saw on Facebook a picture of a bong that each candlelight is like a bowl that you can put <laughs> weed into, oh and like it's Alyssa. this huge water pipe. I don't know. It just looked really cool, but you know, I don't That's know anything about this. Alyssa's heavy on the drug talk this show. I don't know if you guys noticed, but. It's been a lot of things, well, a lot of drug talk going on. Alyssa, well, anyway, ca- all, all this to say, happy Hanukkah. <laughs> it's true. Listen, I'm glad she's talking about some happy things right now because we do have to shift to something sad. Yeah. So as you guys know, there's been a lot of violence going on in Yemen right now and a lot of lives lost. It's something that hasn't really been covered in the news because brown people. And, um, you know, the Trump administration, which is like breathtakingly bad on most policies, but particularly foreign policy, why do you think guys haven't people haven't talked about this at all? Because nobody cares about Yemen because it doesn't affect their lives in any way. I mean, like literally, right. I think that's the problem in America is that people just don't care. Um, and literally people are starving in Yemen and the U.S. has like covertly and overtly been involved in an unauthorized war in Yemen for, you know, five plus years, maybe even longer. We don't really even know. Um, and, and also like killing innocent people and people don't talk about it. Um, And I think the reason why it's big news now is because you have a coalition of people both on the right, Mike Lee from Utah, who's very conservative, and on the left, Bernie Sanders um, and other Democrats who finally want to do something about it. But they want to do something about it because of the way Saudi Arabia is involved in the killing of a a journalist. Uh, um, So, you know, it it takes that kind of thing for, for them to say no more, which... Also, kind of pisses me off in some way. Well, it's yeah. To to that point, it's sort of interesting that people have been dying. Um, you know, many many people have lost their lives due to this war. Um, and I think that if the killing of Jamal Khashoggi can sort of highlight the need to withdraw support and to end this war, that's a good thing. But Absolutely. it did take the killing of one man to wake people up to the killing of lots and lots of other people. I would say, if people want to wake up. You should just see the coverage that Vice News is doing. Yeah, I, I happened to watch a, a one of their um, pieces via YouTube, and like they literally were showing the deaths of children. Oh they showed God. their limbs. They were like these <gasps> two feet came from a child, and then they showed like this one child like dying on camera. And I, w- I like I was eating, and I literally like dropped my fork and was just like, "Whoa, 
what is going on? Like, and we've covered the crisis uh, in Yemen years ago, you know, but I feel like because, as Alyssa said, to her point, it's so far away from us. It's sort of like it's a huge disconnect. But the thing is, there is a proxy war and the U.S. is very involved. Yeah. And because we are funding Saudi Arabia and giving them weapons, they are using those weapons and killing a lot of innocent people and children. Like there was a whole busload of children that blew up. And this one little child, I think he... um. He was a survivor, but his uncle was saying how he's suffering from PTSD. Of course. And I think somebody else in her family died like the year before in the war. So it, it's horrible. Just an it's an horrible. Yeah. It really is. Listen, man, I. The, the things that get me frustrated about stories like this is we're gonna we're gonna care and give a big of a, a lot of a damn for a couple of weeks, but then it's gonna fall to the wayside again, and those people are still gonna be dying. So why is it important right now to talk about this if tomorrow Trump is gonna like fart on Twitter and no one's gonna be thinking about this anymore? Right. Well, why? I mean, because if we stop talking about it, then people forget about it. And so that's why it's important to keep talking about it, because like we have the platform right now to be able to draw people's attention to this in the way like do you like most people in mainstream media are not talking about this this morning. Mm. Most people in mainstream media this morning are talking about George H.W. Bush. And sure, we're going to spend three, four minutes on that. But the fact that we are giving a couple of minutes right here is even more time that we're giving to this issue than than other people are giving to it this morning. That's true. So, guys, as you do know, George H.W. Bush did die at the young age of 94 years old. And on Twitter and on Facebook and in the media, people have been bending over backwards to honor his life. Um, I have lots of thoughts about Bush, but since he's dead, I will start off by letting someone nice say something. Selena? <laughs> like uh, what a teaser like Stanley like what do you think about HW dying and the fact that you know Donald Trump people from the left and the right are sort of commending him as you know a president someone um, who I guess was much better than Trump this is the way that white supremacy works George H.W. Bush turned away thousands of Haitians to come get amnesty when there was a war going on in Haiti. He did absolutely nothing. And actually, he helped to stifle AIDS research. And hundreds of thousands of people died of HIV and AIDS. And it was just World AIDS Day. Just point that out. Because of him. He is someone who set up a crack buy so he could prove that crack was a problem, even though it wasn't, and put some kid in jail for 10 years. And then they shot down a plane that killed 266 people. And he said, I don't apologize for America. I don't care about the facts. Don't forget George, about Willie Horton. Yeah, oh, Willie Horton. George H.W. Yeah. Bush was a white man that, best case scenario, he was indifferent about black and brown bodies. Worst case scenario, he actively looked to mess up and screw up our lives. I don't care that he's dead. Mm. All right. Huh? Do you want to take it from there, Alyssa? Um, I mean, look, you know, I, I agree in certain cer- certain way. I, it, look, it, we shouldn't necessarily... Um, praise people who have done things that we, uh, you know, find to be deplorable um, and who have uh, hurt and oppressed uh, uh, people of color and other minorities. Um, You know, that said, um, this is somebody who, you know, clearly is an American political figure. Um, He did fight in World War II against Nazis and fascists. Um, There's something to be said about that. And, you know, I sort of I guess I'll fall in between that position. Like, I I, I don't want to praise him. Um, I hope he rests in peace. All right. So I'm going to play devil's advocate and like work with me because this is a bit like inflammatory. And I'll be honest about that. So say there was a person who like he was not they were not a Nazi. They were not in the Nazi war, but they did things that made Nazis feel very comfortable. And they even pushed policies that really hurt the lives of Jewish people. And they died. Would we be having this conversation? 
I mean, I, I don't know. It depends. Like, we, we, you, you would not be having this conversation. It, there, it's I can't have I can't answer that question without like additional. I context. think what you're trying to say is that while he was on the right side of a you know mm-hmm. of a battle of a war, right, um, mm-hmm. and fighting against fascism and Nazis, he put as a person who was in who had the most political power of any individual figure in the world, he put into place a lot of policies that, um, you know, while he was fighting for the rights of some people, were, um, you know, destroying other communities when he was in a place of extreme power. Not just that. He sided and worked with white supremacists and pushed white supremacist policies, and he did not apologize for it. He pushed back against the Civil Rights Act. You know, like, this is a... <clears throat> Listen, most white people, just because of the way that racism works, are going to be trash when it comes to racism and dealing with black people. But then there are white people who go above and beyond. And he was one of those white people. And it's important that when we're talking about his legacy, that we acknowledge those missteps, the problematic behavior and policies that he implemented. But I think that, you know, to the earlier point that you made, I think that bad people sometimes do really good things. And I think that really good people also do really bad things. Like we've had conversations like this in the past about Hugo Chavez. We've talked about Mm -hmm. Fidel Castro. We've talked about these leaders, dictators, people who are not, you know, sometimes on the right side of history in one way, but on the very wrong side in another way. And it's nuanced. It's complicated. It's layered. Obviously, we need to make sure that we're taking in all of this information when we come to make decisions about people. But, you know, we it's it's okay and it's natural to have a very mixed feeling about someone, to appreciate them in one way, but to be against them in another. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I do think that it's interesting that uh, much of our country, when a political figure dies, we sort of collectively forget all their wrongdoings and just focus on anything good that they put into place or that they did. And I think that's... That's weird, right? Like we do that and we we forget even with Kennedy, right? Like people think of Kennedy as as such a great president as if he didn't bring us like to the brink of nuclear war. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we we tend to collectively forget all these wrongdoings and and just look at the good things, which I think is problematic. I think we need to remember the bad with the good because we need to make sure we're not making the same mistakes and holding our current leaders accountable. I think we're making a mistake right now, actually. Mark Lamont Hill was fired from his job at CNN because of comments he made about Israel and Palestine. So now I have like said a couple of times now that to me, Israel is not much different from like South African apartheid at this point. And before the big push to like get rid of apartheid, people would be punished for commenting or speaking out against it. And I feel like we've gotten to that point with Israel where I don't think he said anything like inflammatory or dangerous or anti-Semitic, but he lost his job. He said from the river to the sea, which is a, I mean, if you know the history of that, that statement um it it's viewed as very controversial but i watched his entire speech and it was amazing and it was it was really poignant and you know he he made this strong case that we cannot exist in this world where we're actively discriminating against and oppressing an entire group of people living in this country who have been stripped of their rights and their homes um i highly encourage people to watch his his speech um and you know he he ended it with saying from the river to the sea free palestine right um but i really encourage people to watch the entire length of his remarks, which I think is a, a much bigger call to action um, about oppression in general. Is that phrase offensive? The phrase that we're talking about? Well, I mean, it depends in the context I, uh, it, that it's said. I think the reason why in the past it has been considered to be offensive is because in the past, many people who have said that phrase were not saying it in the context that Mark Lamont Hill was saying it. They were saying it as a way to essentially say, 
that they did not believe that Israel should exist and that, you know, in certain people, it has been used in the past by terrorist groups to essentially say, we want to wipe out Israel. We don't think Israel has the right to exist. We don't think Jewish people have the right to exist. And in that context, it has been viewed to be problematic. However, in a more modern context, and again, this is why I say you got to really look at things in the bigger picture, um, the way Mark Lamont Hill was explaining it, and you could tell this by just watching the clip that he was on, he was saying, we want a situation where Palestinian people and Jewish people and Israelis and Palestinians work out this situation this way that Palestinians can actually, you know, traverse through Israel and go to this and go see the sea and live peacefully amongst the people that are there. And he was not using it in the way to suggest that there should be no Israel or that, you know, Israel should not exist. And so, like, that's how you have to look at it. Um, you know, and context is everything. I mean, if that's the case, then why was he automatically fired from CNN? I mean, because you guys make care. so much sense. Because, like, people people don't, they weren't really offended. That's the problem. People were not really offended. They were looking for a reason to be mad. Mm. And no one gives a damn about brown, black and brown lives. And there's nothing but black and brown people in Palestine. Rick Santorum has said that he, like, has pretty much said that he hopes Palestinian people are wiped out and they don't deserve land and they don't deserve freedom. We look at black people getting shot every single day and black women getting raped and assaulted every single day. And people have all sorts of mental Olympics. People don't give a damn about black and brown bodies. That's why that happened. And I also say, um, from, uh, when it comes to Mark Lamont Hill, he is very pro-Palestine. That does not make him anti-Israeli or anti-Semitic yeah, in any way. And I think that you know he spent time in Palestine. He's been on the border. He's done documentary series, just really documenting that oppression. So I feel like it was only a matter of time before he sort of crossed the line because I feel like there's a very fine line on what you can and cannot say, especially when it comes to Israeli and Palestinian conflict. Yeah, which is really unfortunate. And we've talked about at length on this show before i mean as as listeners regular listeners of our show know um i'm jewish and i am someone who certainly supports the right of palestinians to exist and live freely as i do israelis right and i think that um oftentimes i mean i've been called an anti-semite for my opinions on israel and palestine um as someone who's a jew right which is outrageous to me and i think that we still exist in this um, narrative where to be critical of Israel is to be considered an anti-Semite, which is absolutely false. And um, I think Stanley's right to his point. I think they were probably just looking for a reason to give him the axe and this this fit in well. So it was a good call for them to, to strike. But um, I, you know, it's problematic when we confuse criticism of Israel, of a nation with being against an entire religious group of people. Um, they are not the same. Yeah, Jackie said it all. With that being said, guys, we're going on a quick break. When we come back, it's all about hip-hop, hip-hop. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. Three sixties. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Hove is going off. Your favorite rapper is trash and he mumbles and he can't write his lyrics. Jay-Z to God. Come on. Oh my goodness! You, did you hear that verse? I heard that verse. He put his whole Timbaland boot and Duce in that I verse. I was like, that's when hip hop was still good. I was like, Professor Hope, like, did he just educate, like, inform, and like empower? I just felt <laughs> every single feeling. I felt free, 
Like, it, it was amazing. So, yes, thank you, Stanley, for playing What's Free. Of course, that's from Meek Mill's new album, Championships. And by now, many of us are obsessed with it. It dropped a few days. And the beats, the lyrics, the message, it's heavy and it's super, super dope. The album, come, the album comes just after, a few months after Meek was released from jail in April, following a lengthy legal battle and an outpouring of national support. And as most of us can recall, the hip-hop star was sentenced back in November 2017 to two to four years behind bars for a series of, get this, minor nonviolent probation violations following his 2008 conviction for drug and weapon charges. So the violation that really sent him to jail was popping a willy while shooting a music video in New York City. Mm. So since then, we know Meek has been released. He had billionaires on his side, Jay-Z on his side. Everyone was advocating. Uh, he had a lot of money. I think he spent about $30 million in legal fees uh, to get out of jail. Um, but he became a symbol of discrimination within the criminal justice system and the face of redemption in hip-hop. However, although Meek is free, millions of other young black and brown men just like him are not. And one happens to be Takashi 69, a hip hop star that is currently facing a federal indictment. Now, 69 has used social media to build a reputation as hip hop's biggest troll by taunting other rappers and gang members. He acted as a public menace and even called himself a supervillain. But now that he has been arrested on federal racketeering charges, he says that persona was just an act to help him build his pathway to stardom. But to gain even more credibility, uh, back then, what he did was he actually partnered with the nine Trey Gangster Blood Gangs. Hence, Treyway. You remember how we were all singing that in the ad libs? <laughs> That's what that really meant. So today he is being accused of participating in narcotics trafficking, shooting, violent robberies, etc. And some of the stuff he actually live streamed on Instagram. So... And on top of that, the arrest, it seemed like it may have saved his life because now that he's split with some of the bloods, they may have been putting a hit on him. Mm. So it's very messy and it's getting very dangerous. Nevertheless, Tokashi rose to fame through dangerous antics, constant disrespect, and sometimes even for hip hop. On today's episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard, we're going to have a conversation about this. We're going to talk about the dynamic of these juxtaposing narratives in hip hop and the impact that it has on us as hip hop fans and as a society. So I want to start this panel off with just getting some reactions to the moment that we're having in hip hop. I'll throw it to you first, Stanley. Uh, we have again Meek on top of the world, where you have six nine, a twenty two year old hip hop star facing life in prison. Uh, Meek is for me a metaphor of what can be if, like, you realize how the system has been set up to to dismantle black and brown bodies and lives, and you try to use your power for good. And Takashi Six Nine is pretty much a rerun of a lot of stories we've seen in the hip hop community for years and years and years. Um, and this kid, you know, a lot of times we would say that you know the, the old heads don't talk to the kids, the OGs don't say anything. A lot of people talked to this kid and told him what he was doing was dangerous and he was going to get himself in trouble. Um, Charlemagne in the Breakfast Club even had a, a pastor come and pray for him in the studio. Well, intervention, which yeah, is like, yeah, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, this kid is dumb. 
slow down. You know. I mean, at 22, how old, how dumb were you, Stanley? I was very dumb, but I was not running around with killers and like thinking it was cool when I wasn't one. I mean, it got him views, and it got him likes, it got him stardom. It also I mean, got him indicted. Mm. Well, I mean, you could take from there. Let's I mean, look, soak. yeah, look, there's always been sort of this uh, distinction in hip hop between like woke sort of hip hop where people are really talking about things that matter and just ignorant hip hop where people are just like rapping about like, you know, drinking at a hotel room uh, with hookers, you know? So like, <laughs> you know, like we like, that's the first that thing. Like, like hip hop isn't a monolith. <laughs> there are different types. There's everything from like the, the wokeness of a Tupac song to the trapness of a Chief Keef song. Um, so, you know, like we can't just look at hip hop as a monolith. We we have to look at the bigger picture. But that said, um, there is a difference between growing up in a bad situation and rapping about it or because that's what you see. I mean, like, that's what Biggie used to say all the time when, you know, I rap about selling drugs because that's what I'm doing because that's the, the what I'm living in. Like, that's what Grandmaster Flash said when he made the song The Message. Like, I rap about people peeing in the stairwell because that's what I'm seeing. There's a difference between that and growing up in, uh, you know, I don't know if he's like, I wouldn't call him upper middle class, Takashi 69, but growing up in like a middle class neighborhood in Brooklyn, not growing up in a bad situation necessarily like that, and then getting famous on um, Instagram and creating this persona of somebody who's a gangster in order to make yourself more credible, um, it, it, it almost in fact is insulting to people who grew up in a bad situation who are making music and talking about this stuff to get out of their bad situation um, than, you know, literally just doing this for, for show. And, and now look what, you, look what happened. You got yourself caught up. Guys, if you want to chime into this conversation, feel free to call us up at 212-650-6903. You can also leave comments on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash let your voice be heard. Jackie, we want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about, I mean, I you know, it's easy for us to get into this conversation about like, well, is hip hop today worse than it was 25 years ago? You know, is music today just crap and the music that we grew up listening to is the real stuff? And I think that... Every generation has that conversation. It's sort of like when the older you get, you know, you lose like a pitch, right? Like you lose those like higher pitches. And I think the older you get, you sort of start missing the cultural significance of certain music, right? That younger generations get. And so older, like it's a sign of us becoming old people, just all four of us in this room. I want you to know. You know, it is, right? Like there's a little bit of us being like, oh, is this music today? Is it good? Back in our day, it was really good. And so I think that's interesting. But I do think what's unique about today and about music and sort of this influencer culture and and pop culture in general is that you have this um, access to celebrities and access to artists through social media that never really used to exist in the way that it does now through Instagram, through YouTube, through obviously through Snapchat, through whatever. And people get this sort of negative on this negative feedback loop where they do certain take part in certain kind of behavior. And then it's reinforced by their fans sort of clicking and liking and and giving them this positive reinforcement that doesn't actually exist in the real world. Right. It's all this this viral sort of sort of feedback that they're not actually you know they're not maybe getting the support that they need in real life but they're getting the yeses and the okays and the go-aheads from this viral community that don't really support this person yeah i just want to co-sign what jackie said about that and just also said the music is not bad now it's just different yeah exactly Um, and like sometimes as an older person that's a little disappointing because you hear a verse like jay's jay-z's and like you you really understand the creativity of it and you don't hear that in the music but it's still good it's just different um but i I also want to just pop up what jackie is saying a lot of the stuff these kids are doing 
now was happening in the nineties and in the two thousands. There just wasn't Twitter, but, and they, you weren't like you wouldn't videotape you talking about. It wasn't somebody. like etched in stone because you, it's on the internet and now you remember it and have yeah. it. Well, and, and to that point, so Takashi Six Nine, you, you know, even before he became as famous as he was uh, in twenty seventeen, he actually faked his own death, put out a, a video on Instagram, <sighs> like. Right, th- right. No, no, his kidnapping. death too. What? Oh. And he did kidnapping too. The kidnapping may or may not have been fake, but he did a lot of antics to basically gain popularity on social media. And then he decided to become a rapper and it really worked for him. And it's like, it's, it's, I kind of feel like I empathize with him a little bit because he's 22 and everyone's saying this behavior is wrong. But to Jackie's point, he's getting all these likes, he's getting exactly. all these followers, and he's getting all of this money. We're and the ones making a big deal out right, of it. Right, and then you have people around him who was sharing it like yeah. DJ Academics one of his friends and mentors that's not his friend well I don't know friend. what they call each other friends they claim to be friends he helped propel him to success too by sharing all of these antics so now it's like hey kid you're going to jail right but again there's a difference between doing certain antics that are non-criminal and actually committing crimes right there's so many different antics that you could do online to get your followers involved in that you don't actually commit a crime and side note I'm not saying he has he still has the presumption of innocence just because he's been indicted doesn't mean he actually is guilty of anything. For all we know, maybe he gets acquitted. Although, you know, we can talk about this a little more later. My experience in cases when the feds come from you, they usually have you. Um, and it's very rare that you actually get found not guilty after that. But again, right now, he still has the presumption of innocence. The point I'm trying to make is, you know, you can do things online that get likes and shares and they don't have to be things that are crimes. I mean, like, for example, there are... Uh, um, a bunch of people that a couple years back that you might remember literally made a whole entire career out of doing stupid stuff on the internet. And of course, it's like an MTV thing and it's escaping me. What were those guys called? Yeah. Yeah. Like they literally made a whole career out of doing stupid stuff and making stupid videos. (laughs) That's a a really uh, good But they didn't do things that were actually criminal. That's why nobody got indicted. (sighs) Um, but but they're I don't know but I think that they're they're also white dudes from the south right yeah. and I think that play that well, plays yeah. a big part into it like to to everybody like they had like two movies that came out about that like it was like a long running right. TV show with spinoffs and movies and whatever else and I think they were also like white dudes from the south right yeah. they so it was thought of as funny and not criminal like I think I don't know Meek Mill made a really good argument about it where he's like. You know, uh, he was on CNN talking about this and asking the interviewer, you know, wouldn't you have a gun, too, if seven people that you knew were shot in one week? Right. Like, yeah, it might be criminal. Right. It might be against the law. But this is the world that we're growing up in. And, you know, you would, too, if you knew you had to protect yourself. I mean, look, that's fair. But I just feel like it's a different conversation. Right. Right. No, no, it, it definitely is. But it still plays into it, because I think that if you have, like Jackie said, white dudes doing stupid stuff and gaining popularity. I think that the cultural differences are very significant here because the stuff that they were doing in their neighborhoods, you know, it's that that gets views. It's still somewhat like there's still people who are buying into that. Right. There's still people who are who want that type of entertainment and they're giving it to them. And that's uh, for a lot of them. That's all they know. Um, I do know that we have to take a break right now but don't go anywhere when we come back we have a call on the line and we're also going to continue this conversation about hip-hop meek mill 69 this is let your voice be heard you take the bullet trying to save me then i'm left to do what making you
And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with my co-host, Stanley Fritz, Alyssa Fuchs, and we have special correspondent Jackie Yay. Cohen, who is back from a world tour with her husband. Oh, and by working. the way, just real quick, my dad yesterday told me because he listened to the show um, that was on, on uh, after Thanksgiving, and he said that you guys said that I was out in California covering the fires, <laughs> <laughs> which I did not hear, but my father did, and I li- I, I uh, was not. I was out with my in laws celebrating Thanksgiving. Well, you know, but thank you, to- thank you for. Like upping my my I status. Guess we're Thanks trying to, to make you seem more important. Yeah, I was not. I was eating my face off with my. When you say Thanksgiving, in-laws. it sounds like a murder to me. As she throws herself under the bus. <laughs> I, right. I just need to clear. No, like just so you know, that's an MTA bus. So you yeah, know, right, it runs right, her over right, twice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's still late. All right, guys. So um, keeping the conversation going, I know that we have a caller on the line, Haji, who would like to let his voice be heard. Yes. Good morning. Um, I just wanted to say that, as always, you have a good program. Uh, it was interesting what you had to say about Yemen and, and the fact that people are not paying, you know, as much attention to it as they should. As far as the hip-hop piece is concerned, um, I was listening the other day to a, to, a, to a song that was done in the 1920s, and it was raunchy as can be, you know. Uh, you wouldn't even probably play it on, on air now. Uh, it was by a female. Uh, but the thing is, hopefully, you know, that, that people like Common and other uh, performers will pave the way for a new, uh, a new kind of uh, hip-hop and that is, you know, that is sensible and not full of gangsterism and stuff like that. Um, I think, you know, we all grow. And that's the thing we should be looking at. And we should be reading between the lines of the lyrics that we hear and knowing that there's possible redemption and growth out of everything. Thank you so much um, for for chiming in, Haji, and letting your voice be heard. You you know, to your point, I mean, gangsterism, I don't know if that's a genre within hip-hop, but, I mean, it it sells. And a lot of times, you know, you have people like Takashi who just use that and capitalize off it. Then you actually have people who really have lived that life and they're speaking their truth on a record and it just so happens that a lot of people want to buy it. So, I I don't know, I think it's a little more nuanced there. But speaking of nuanced, I want to also talk about just the intersection of art and life, right? Because, like I said, you have people who really live that life. I mean, we remember Bobby murder who is currently in jail right right now mitch caught a body about a week ago right exactly because and and that line itself he, he did, that prison. line itself <laughs> when he was rapping talking about how his friend um killed mitch. somebody mitch and now mitch is in jail bobby's in jail and they were what just speaking their truth i mean Alyssa, i know you can speak to the legality <laughs> of that like right. i mean is it art is it life is it legal you know it, it it's an interesting thing because there is this very very fine line intersection between where the rubber meets the road essentially where the first amendment and your right to say whatever you want and say things that are problematic or even maybe um you know talking about committing crimes um with certain exceptions of course you know if you're talking about imminently causing somebody harm that is an exception to the first amendment um if you are Hate speech, for example, can also be an exception to the First Amendment. Um, But where it gets really, really tricky is when somebody's doing a rap, like the one you just pointed out, somebody caught a body a couple weeks ago, the (laughs) question becomes, 
are they actually admitting to a crime or is that art? Um, and this has come up a lot in criminal prosecutions because essentially what the prosecutors generally say is that's evidence. Uh, that is evidence that you've committed a crime. And if we have other evidence to prove that you committed the crime, we should be able to introduce those lyrics into a jury trial and, and have the jury hear them as part of the case. Defense attorneys um, like myself routinely argue that that stuff is not uh, evidence that it should not be admissible, that it is art, um, and that just because somebody says something on a record does not mean they've actually committed a crime. And and then there's also this sort of racial aspect to it, because how many problematic things has Eminem said before, mm. and yet Eminem's never been indicted ever uh, for, and, and side note, I like Eminem, so I'm not trying to throw Eminem under the bus, but Eminem's never been indicted. Um, right. So then it also becomes like, okay, but what it comes down to is, is there other evidence that somebody's committed a crime? If all you have is words, um, which you see a lot with Eminem, and there's no other evidence that he's actually taken any steps to try and kill his ex-wife or, you know, do this or, you know, shoot up this or, you know, like all the kind of things that he raps about, then you really are sort of in a good place where you're, and also he's white. Um, Wanted right. to just point yes. that out again. Well, no, no, no. Th- no, that being said, I mean, you know, Takashi is sort of in that, that, that predicament now where in on one online media, uh, social media post, he actually talked about putting a hit on Chief Keefe's cousin. He said 30-pack. So um, I know Stanley wanted to chime in. I know we're getting comments, and I know we need to hear from Jackie as well. In that yeah, order. that's not a rap lyric. He put a hit out on somebody and then sent the video to academics to play. But what, he was just doing that to promote himself, that right? That is stupid. Don't, you don't know. That, so that's should stu- he be arrested for just doing that? For no, but that? like if somebody, then Chief Keefe got shot. Later that day. So, like, it's corroborating. But, you know, Alyssa, to bring your point about if as long as, like, it didn't support anything, there was a rapper who got 10 years in jail for his lyrics. He was accused of robbery. Um, he Like, he didn't do it. He was seen innocent. And a judge said, your rap lyrics are very violent. And it makes me think you've done these things. And they gave him 10 years. This happened in Memphis a couple of months and ago. And if I'm not mistaken, wow. that case is up on appeal right now and has not been finalized. And the reason why it's up on appeal is because of this strong argument that without any other evidence to corroborate that he actually did the crime, all you have is his words, which are, again, protected by the First Amendment. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to say, Vera Kashi Smith, thank you so much <laughs> for your comments, says there's a thin line between entertainment quote unquote and real life and I think that is correct there is a thin line um, and again it goes back to what I was saying before what other evidence is there if it's just lyrics then that's not enough yeah, I, and I want to say we were talking a bit um, earlier this week amongst ourselves in planning this show about the history of hip hop and the an artist being arrested for their lyrics is is you know as as old as as a tradition as old as hip-hop itself right nwa and nwa certainly but even like two live crew who is making like party music got arrested for for obscenity in their music and performing it in places where that was banned and none of their lyrics were you know about killing people or, or crime it was just considered obscene and they got themselves got arrested for performing those songs so you know it's like where i mean i i understand that this is a much more nuanced issue than that but i think that there's always been you know those in power try seeking to take those down um for producing this kind of music and and 
um, writing these kind of lyrics. Yeah, I mean, and to the point where, you know, people are just, they have the right to express themselves and they have the right to express their truth through music. But I think we're at a point where I can't really tell if hip hop or certain hip hop artists are just reflecting street life or it's just a form of capitalism that's being co-opted for business and profit. Now, we talked about this during our, our phone call on Thursday because if you look at Takashi 69 again with his backstory, it's like he chose to partner with the with the Bloods. I mean, how many, you know, Stanley, you grew up in East New York. A lot of times young black men don't feel a choice to partner for like, you, you know, it's it's for protection. It's for survival. But he made that choice to partner with them. It boosted his credibility and he mm. was able to, in the long run, sell more records, get more hits and continue to grow on social media. So is this what hip hop has come to? Well, let's get one thing clear. Hip-hop will always be street. 99% of the people who rap about street life are not street. But the people that put them on, the people on their team, those are some killers. Because how do you pay for studio time? How do you get into the clubs? How do you get into the parties? You need somebody with money. Let me, t- let me ask you a question. Who in Tilden Houses is just a billionaire or knows somebody who owns a record label? Not many people. But at the Bloods and like the leader over there has the money and he says, yo, you're nice. I'll put you on. You're going to work with them. I'm not surprised that he did that. Oh. And uh, gang culture is a lot different now than it was when I was growing up in the 90s where, like, you know, like, you had your gangs, but it was, like, Blood, Crip, ABG, um, you know, like, it's way different now. Like, now it's more like like hoods and streets and blocks and little things like that. So Clicks, I think. Yeah. Yes. Clicks, as Alyssa just mentioned to me. So it's it's a lot different. But this is nothing out of the norm for hip-hop. Listen, your favorite rapper that was talking about girls partying and, and, and just loving life, he was running around with some scary people. All right. Well, what do you guys have to say about that quickly? I mean, look, if, I, I, I think I agree with Stanley on that. People forget that Jay-Z, who, of course, shirt I'm wearing and um, is somebody I love. And I, rapper alive. And I think, yeah, is the GOAT. Um, he had money um, to make albums because he sold crack. He has not lied about that. The one thing that Jay-Z has not really done is even in rapping about these things, and he even calls people out on the on the album for 444. He says, why, if you're doing these things, do you post about them on Instagram? Like, don't you know any better? I can't think of the lyric right now. Um, but, you know, he he's even said, like, when I was making music, yeah, I was rapping about things that were going on, things about I was seeing in the neighborhood, but I wasn't necessarily co- rapping about or admitting to the crimes that I w- or somebody in my crew was committed. Um, and I think that sort of is, is a similar thing to what I was talking about earlier with Biggie and with Tupac. I mean, like, Tupac, for example, said, like, they have money for war but can't feed the poor. And he talked about other things that were going on in the hood, but he wasn't necessarily admitting to crimes that he was committing. And that is a big difference. And that is why people keep getting got by the feds really quickly so Veer Kashi Smith says for the first time I agree with Stan thank you so much <laughs> for leaving that comment on our Facebook thank live um, Jackie we are wrapping things up and we do want to get final thoughts in here as well as you know just end with the final question of um, you know do the Tupac's of the world still matter can and how can hip hop be used as a tool and a resource for justice when you have people like Takashi 69 who is doing like the exact opposite and blowing up 
I think Stanley made the point earlier that there's always been bad music. There's always been good music. That you know that what we remember when we look back at history is the good, right? That's what has a legacy. That's what stays with us. And so there's always going to be the Tupacs that are great artists with a great political message, right? Who are putting something really different and unique and good into the world. And that's what we're going to remember and what lasts, right? The the artists that aren't doing that, we're going to forget about them, right? Um, and there's plenty of artists doing that and I think it's even we see that now more than ever because everybody has access to the internet everybody can kind of put their thing out there and, and see what sticks right but I think that there will always uh be the need for artists who are speaking truth to power, who are, you know, putting good into the world, who are, you know, like what Meek Mill is doing now, right? As an advocate, as someone who is putting out great music, who's, you know, taking his experience and, and showing people this is what kind of system we live in right and opening people's eyes through his music I think that there's always going to be the need for that right that's why we have art because it it reveals to us the ways that we're living that we maybe don't see normally Stanley 10 seconds final thoughts on this topic and where you see hip-hop moving forward Hip-hop is in a great place right now. People are making more money than they've ever made. There's more diversity in styles and artists than we've ever had. And I think that we we do a disservice to people when we try to, like, idealize Jay-Z, um, Biggie, and Tupac as, like, these people who talked a certain way. Listen, hip-hop has always been nuanced. Hip-hop has always had a story to tell. And everyone has had different ways to tell a story. And that's what makes it hip-hop. And that's why it's the culture that, like, I came of age with. And that's why I love it. Final thoughts in 10 seconds or less. Look, I just think as activists that we need to do our best to prop up uh, hip-hop artists that are putting out socially conscious music and to play that music like on our radio show um, so that people hear it, so that they do get the kind of traffic that other uh, hip-hop artists get for doing silly stunts. Last words, you know, we started off this conversation talking about Meek Mills, his road to redemption. And and, and to me, that to me is like prime hip hop, right? Where you had Meek Mill who spent some time in prison and he really shown, a, he, shed, he shed a light on the fact that one in three black men can actually expect to go to prison in their lifetime. And after being conv- convicted of a crime, offenders are subjected to parole, probation, and spend years on court-ordered supervision. And that's when Meek Mill, not only did he live, but now he has that message in his music. And that's what we can't forget. That's what we can't lose. There's always a message in the music. And Takashi 69 I get it. He's not for everyone. So, and if he's not for you, make sure that you're supporting the artists that are being socially conscious, and doing more to uplift the community. That being said, I just want to thank everyone who tuned in to Let Your Voice Be Heard today, everyone who tuned in and chimed in on Facebook Live, our callers, our listeners, and, of course, our podcast community. Thank you for supporting us, and we'll see you next week.